Hi there and welcome back to the ESPN Footy Podcast. Hello, welcome to the ESPN Footy Pod. We are back with the dulcet tones of me, Marissa Lordanik, Anna Harrington and Marnie Vinyl for an AFLW update. We finally have some news, which means we have paused Picket Palace's Anthony McDonald tipping Woody, which is what we were all listening to today, and we are now ready to talk about collective bargaining agreements, new season dates, trade periods, and all of that other kind of good stuff. So before we crack into that chat, we want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land we're recording on today, the Wurundjeri people, and pay our respects to their elders past and present. But girls, we finally have dates. We have so many official things. So let's talk about it. Anna, you wrote the piece for AAP that you can read on ESPN.com.au. So what are all the important details so far regarding the CBA and season seven? Yeah, myself and my colleague Shane Hope wrote that. I was at the press yesterday with Gil McLaughlin and Paul Marsh and a collective of top um AFLW players, the big thing is they're getting paid. Like, that's the main thing you need to take out of this. It's a one-year deal. Um, So in terms of just crunching some numbers, the average increase across the the four pay brackets is is 94%. So the top-tier players are getting paid $71,935, while the minimum wage, which I think is the one we really want to pay attention to, uh, goes up from $2,239 to $39,184. So that's much more sustainable um, for players. Um, Paul Marsh just said that in the sort of feedback that they get in their polling from the players, one player... um, obviously I imagine this is all anonymous, had described the pay boost as, quote, life-changing. Um, so I, I don't think that's any sort of underestimation. Um, we'll get into sort of the nitty-gritty, but on a pure financial scale, it is it is life-changing. This is going to mean that players can actually afford to try at least and be full-time athletes. For some on those minimum wages, there's still going to be a level of juggling. But this is a, in terms of finance, this is significant commitment. It also sees the the player hours um, per week go up. Um, I think it's a it's an overall investment, 146% increase in investment. Um, obviously that includes like you are going to see an increase in number of players with four new teams coming in. So you have to take those sorts of things into consideration. Um, it's doubling of prizes, money, licensing revenue distribution to players. Um, you know, there's parenting and pregnancy policy. The the number of hours, like contracted hours per week, I think it's gone from 15 to 20, correct me if I'm wrong, um, and which is obviously recognition for all that training that they all do outside of hours, which everyone knew they did anyway. Um, but for me, the main thing, this is it's a one-year deal because they couldn't uh, agree with the AFL. There's still very much odds over how long they want the season to be. But with the AFL so publicly committed to an August start, it meant they had to get a deal done. And in one of the great little, you know, moments of solidarity and shows of what, you know, unionisation can do, the AFLW players had that in their corner. And in that sense, they actually had the AFL backed into a corner. If you want this competition to start in August, you're going to have to make it worth our while. And they have. They've gone and got themselves paid. It's fantastic. Um, I was talking to... Darcy Vessier yesterday and they said that they um actually couldn't sleep the night before because they were they were just so excited I imagine it's quite a contrast to what they and other players were feeling in the days before which was frustration and uncertainty and when are we going to get a deal done and we'll, we will get into that but the big thing that um, players could take out of this was a big financial boost and let's be honest they deserved it right money 
They absolutely deserved it. And I think that's one of my biggest takeaways, at least right now, just one day out from it being announced, is all of the player reactions. I think it's easy to read a press release and then have some reactions to what's going on, but to actually see how much this meant to the players. And they're the ones that it's affecting most rights, their bargaining agreement, as much as fans can say, well, we want this or we want that or we expect this or we expect that this was for the players and I just to see an onslaught of all of them cheering and saying how important this was and being very thankful to each other you touched on it then about this unified front and that's another big takeaway for me was to actually see this unified front get the results and for all of them to be thanking each other and working together I did want to say I especially loved so a lot of the Collingwood girls are currently I can't remember what country they're currently in, just from following the Instagrams. And Sarah Rowe posted a photo of them just all in their bikinis on a beach somewhere. And then Steph Kiochi, obviously the captain, just commented, being like, if you keep tagging me in photos while I'm over here, like working my butt off for your future, I'm going to unfollow you. And I just, that made me very happy. <laughs> it is sensational like, to see the reaction um, from the players because yep. they, you know, a these uh, agreements are always interesting no matter what sport they are, no matter whether it's men's, women's. It doesn't even have to be in sport. You look at um, union back and forth thing um, in all sorts of industries. Sport in particular, yesterday was very much the opportunity to play happy families, right? We've not been <laughs> we've not been toing and froing via social media for, for weeks. Um, it's, all, it's all great and wonderful. And, you know, what? It, it, it was. The end result was sensational. Like, um, mm. it was... Exactly. In in one sense, at least, it was exactly what the players wanted and what they deserved, and we say, yep. in terms of the financial situation. But it is really interesting in the sense that it's a one-year deal. Um, and that is that is the thing that we've got to keep in mind. And it's all the parties, to be fair, acknowledge this. Gil McLaughlin acknowledged it, Paul Marsh, the players, um, Ellie Blackburn and Emma Carney were the two that spoke yesterday, all acknowledge that the, the sticking point or uh, well, the ongoing sticking point is the length of the season. The AFL has clearly wanted to remain at sort of around that 10-game plus finals marker. The players um, and Marsh have made it pretty clear that where they see the game going, um, especially now you've got the 18 teams, um, and we've talked about our thoughts on expansion before, 18 teams are here now, right? Um, they want to see everyone play each other once. So we see, like, in the future that would conceivably be 17 rounds plus finals, which is something people have floated in the men's competition mm. before, right? Um, so, and we did see it in that COVID-affected season, the 17-round season. Um, so that seems to be where the players would like to ultimately end up. And that's why we've got this sticking point here. And realistically, they had to get the deal done. So they've managed to get this fantastic deal financially. And the good thing there as well is by getting it done, you can't go backwards from here. You can't do pay cuts. You can't take away these yeah, rights. Yeah. Rights are so hard one. And, you know, one of the, the first things that you do in any sort of union negotiation is it's very important. You want to get more rights, but it's about protecting what you've got. They fought for and they've earned these rights, mm. which is their pay, parental leave, um, recognition of hours worked. Um, and now the next thing I think will be, wanting to extend seasons out for that, I guess, full-time professionalism, which 2026 is the the timeline that the AFLPA have said they want it by. I, I personally would love to see something even more ambitious, like give it to us now. Um, but, you know, we'll see that happen. But that that is going to be the, the sticking point. And the interesting thing now as well, this one-year deal means uh, when this expires, for the first time since the AFLW started in 2017, 
we're going to see the men's and the women's deals come up at the same time, which opens the door for potential joint negotiations in the future. And that wasn't something that, that Marsh ruled out yesterday at all. He said that's one way of doing it. It's it's not the only way, obviously, of doing that. We've, we've seen, Marissa and I have seen that happen with the A-Leagues. The men and women have the collective deal. The Socceroos and the Matildas have worked on collective deals. And sometimes it is the best way to, to go forward. And I, I wouldn't be surprised to see that happen, Marnie. But clearly the um, the games, like extending the season is going to be the next thing, right? Because as much as I said, everyone was very happy and thrilled with the result yesterday, you had players, um, well, less than 48 hours ago, you had... Darcy Vessio, for example, tweeting about, I want to play more games than my under-10s, right? Or, you know, tweets to that nature. So there's clearly, and Ellie Blackburn said, you know, as much as they were thrilled with this, and this season made sense to have 10 games because they're effectively playing seasons back-to-back, a four-month break in between seasons, 20 games in a year really, makes sense now. But in the future, they want to see it progress to that point. And I think that's what's going to be very interesting when this one, this uh, current agreement ends. Yeah, that's definitely the other main, I guess, storyline to come out of this. And Marissa, you had a very good tweet, I think, on this, which is that you can be both happy about the pay and irritated about the 10 rounds. I know that we have a lot of feelings. Did you want to speak to how you feel about the 10 rounds a bit? I will I will keep it very brief because I feel like it's pretty obvious how I feel about it but um yeah I'm glad you mentioned being able to hold simultaneous emotions and thoughts regarding this CBA because some people will bring it up as if oh but why aren't you happy about this I am happy about it I'm also annoyed I can do both I have the range but um just and we're able to multitask exactly (laughs) but no just 18 teams that's so many teams and to have only 10 rounds I didn't want to say it kind of is a bit of a smack in the face regarding competition integrity but it is not every team will play each other once if for some reason you know one team gets a really good draw and the other one does it it's not because of anything within their control it's completely because the AFL has decided that they only want this 10 round season and I think the players have acknowledged as they have throughout most of this that you know things can't happen instantly I think they're very in favor of incremental kind of change and increases and things like that but the suggestion seemed to be that the AFL wanted three years of 10 rounds and it was just like that that cannot be it that cannot be what we offer these players it's you know it's great now that they have the financial thing but they want to be paid to play footy so you can't give them just the pay without the actual playing time because they don't want to make money just to make money. They want to play footy as well. This is what their job is. So I I like what you said, Anna, about the fact that basically 2022, they're playing 20 games. So it makes sense for this season. It's all good, but it cannot stay at 10 rounds. It cannot, you know, be contained in this tiny little bubble that suits the AFL but doesn't actually progress the game or give these players more of what they want to do so I will be you know watching very intently when we get to the next round of negotiations because if the AFL is kind of stuck in their keeping things small bubble and the players are very much you know in favor of growing things we might see a little bit more drama a little bit more toing and froing but I think the um the overall public kind of feeling towards that would very much side with the players because it just doesn't make sense for me. I was going to say, like, it's impossible to grow the game with only 
10 rounds. And that from a player perspective, I mean, I think you covered that off quite well. But just from a fan perspective, from a spectator perspective, I have been so excited for Essendon to come in. I don't think I've been quiet or shy about that. I'm going to be devastated if Essendon don't get to play Adelaide because that's my dad's team and because, you know, Adelaide have been such a powerhouse and I want to see that rivalry, but also for the rivalries within the competition, right? And we talked a bit about this off air that we hope that the AFL don't sort of try and push the men's rivalries onto the women's games and let the women's games rivalries develop in their own right. But that's not going to happen if, they don't get to play each other. Like if they only see each other in finals and we talk all the time about, you know, teams getting tough fixtures or getting kind of easy fixtures with only 10 rounds and 18 teams, the weight of that fixture, as you said, Maurice, like the integrity of the competition is really compromised. It, you know, <laughs> like it, it's impossible to grow the game and it's, It's very frustrating to see. And also because there's a little bit of commentary going around when, you know, obviously there was going to be a lot of trolls reactions to this pay increase, but there was a lot of commentary around, well, that's a lot of money for only 10 rounds of football. Okay, great. Well, give us more rounds then. (laughs) I've got the answer for you. Yeah, I don't think the players are the ones objecting. And I guess the other thing is uh, my initial thoughts when I saw this was the toing and frying before the financials was... Uh, put in place was if you're say for example the a-leagues you go well let's get full home and away season in now right like you know everyone play each other twice that's that simple obviously it's a smaller league in terms of number of teams but yeah you I think what you want to see next and I don't want to take away from the fact that yesterday oh was a momentous day because Mm. these players have come so far and um, just listening to Emma Carney, for example, who is one of those players who sort of straddled the divide between amateur and amateur football at a high level and professional now football at a high level. It's um, what they're being recognised for, you know, the pre-season training. They have such a long pre-season, which is partly because, you know, such a short regular season. Those training hours still have to happen. Um, those running sessions, that preparation that all those players have been doing while they're waiting for their official, you know, season to start. These things they're now getting recognised for. And the other thing that um, Ellie Blackburn noted yesterday was for those players, especially those going to expansion clubs who have got a trade, who have to think about moving to state, who want to know what they're doing and where they're going and when, um, they now get some security. Like they know when these uh, player movement windows are happening. They know when they need to report for pre-season at their new club, for example. Like there's just so much more in terms of, security and, and being looked after in that sense and this it's so important but I guess the thing um when we talk about the the longer season is you don't just make progress and stop right um I think when we're making this I think it's important because I'm sure there'll be some people that will listen to this and go I can't you just be happy like <laughs> um because you know like it's a great deal it's fantastic pay-wise the as I mentioned the recognition and the financial recognition for for work and and progress and all the effort that these players have made. And these players, as I said earlier, you have some that say this will be life-changing. They don't have to juggle things so hard. They can, um, for a lot of them, especially if they're in these higher tiers, they can just effectively be professional athletes. Like that's what some of these pay scales mean. Um, But, you know, if you don't keep looking to progress, you stall and then maybe you go backwards. Mm -hmm. So like that's why you want to keep seeing players push and push. And I love that, 
um, Blackburn yesterday said, as a playing group, we're not shy about saying that we want to play more games. Like there is this honesty of, yeah, we want to keep getting better and better. And I also think it's worth noting that the um, the way this has played out for this uh, one-year deal is also a credit to the way that um, the the players' union have, and Carney actually said this, have learned from that really fractured um, time in 2019 with the last CBA. Mm, mm. Very much a collective front this time around. And you could tell from the messaging that was coming out, um, you, you know, the, the players and a lot of the players that were influential last time around are now union delegates. So you do have that, you know, aligned vision between the players and their union, which should always be the case, right? And they've managed to achieve something really big and momentous here um, through a lot of hard work from the union, but also those players. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's fantastic. And also, I mean, when you look at it in terms of women's sport and getting the next, you know, round of young, talented female athletes, girls and women coming through, it's a pretty hefty blow to strike in the old Code Wars, code wars right? Like you you can actually offer a career. So that's why I think we'll see this happen and you want to see the extended season. You want to see the pathways continue to grow. You want to see the continued investment because it's such a big moment, but you want to see it built on and get bigger and better because, yeah, if you look at what these players and everyone around them have achieved in, what, six years alone, like it's pretty momentous. At the National Curriculum, we always say availability is the best ability. That's why the National Curriculum is now available on ESPN, wherever you get your podcasts. No ticker, Nick. No ticker. Yeah, I think there was also a little bit of commentary going on this last couple of weeks that when the AFL, you know, green-lighted the women's competition, they weren't ready for just how much it was going to grow in a short amount of time and how much fandom it was going to garner in such a short amount of time. And all of this is really positive stuff. Like, of course, it's not 100% perfect the cba is never going to be black and white in terms of like all good all bad well i mean for the most part um but this is such a huge and monumentous step in the right direction and the confidence that it shows that they have in this league and these players is really important no this is not all about optics but it to show the rest of the afl community especially the afl men's community who aren't on board yet that like well we're investing in this it's here to stay we're putting in the dollars so Get on board, especially if you're an Essendon fan. <laughs> we know we will, we will give you the opportunity to talk about some of the signings that now can <laughs> officially happen and that have mm. happened for Essendon. But you also wrote a piece for ESPN.com.au. You can check it out, which was basically just an explainer of what this CBA means and where we go to from now. So do you want to explain a little bit of what happens now? What are the key dates that we're looking out for? What's actually mm-hmm going on now that the the i's have been dotted and the t's have been crossed yeah it was such a pain point to get this cba signed because so much was waiting on it and especially because we have expansion we have 120 new players that we have to find four new teams that we have to like field and within that you can't just be like okay here's your team go play you've got to build that team cohesion that connection Every team has a different brand of footy that doesn't just happen overnight by, you know, putting all these players in a room. You've got to build that and they have to spend time with coaches. So there was there's a, was a lot weighing on this CBA to be signed, but now that it is, we can get the ball rolling. And the first thing is that players can actually be signed. So all those players that have committed to clubs and it was really, I've it made me laugh, the like careful language that had to be used over these past couple of weeks because it was like, 
Bonnie Tuigo didn't sign with Essendon. She committed to Essendon. And in my head, I was just like, what if there's a chance that some of these players don't end up signing on the dotted line? I was pretty scared about it. But next Tuesday, the expansion sign and trade period starts and they will officially become, you know, Hawks or Swans or whatever they are. I'll have my eyes firmly focused on the sash, obviously. But um, yes, they can get to work. And this also means that they can get to work with their clubs so they can actually go to the clubs and start working with the coaches and get 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 all of that going. Then we have the following week, the sign and trade period will open for all of the other clubs. Great. We, you know, we'll see players like Grace Egan be able to actually sign to Richmond. Players like that will actually be able to sign on the dotted line. Same thing, can actually start working with these clubs. Preseason starts on June 12th. Uh, the draft period will then be June 29th. So, um, you know, not the most ideal situation to have the draft two weeks after preseason starts. You're starting your preseason and your game plans without even knowing who's on your team, which it'll have problems for the league and the competition. And I hope all this comes into consideration when the league actually starts and people start talking about, you know, brands of football and how things are gelling, knowing that they've only had a very limited time to work together. But then, yes, we'll have this draft period, which is very exciting because, as I mentioned, 120 new players, they won't all come from the draft, but a fair chunk of them will. There are 106 names on the next AFLW draft combined list and that's nationwide so there's lots of names to look for I think it'll be a very very exciting day just because we will see so many and what just makes me so happy now is that with the whole 18 clubs in there drafts picks can actually say you know what clubs they've supported their whole lives they can have that preference and family ties can start coming through and it's all of that emotional stuff that's wrapped up in footy gets to actually play out a bit more on the big stage. Obviously, my biases are just going to keep coming through that, but that's all right. Um, we'll also get to know more about what's happening with the inactive players. So we all knew that it was going to be an August start date, but without it confirmed, we couldn't really know for sure who was going to be able to play and who couldn't. So all of those ACLs that happened, unfortunately, last season – the next season will be coming too quickly for them to be able to play. So they'll still be in rehab, but then you've got players like Ange Foley um, who will be able to come back. So she'll be coming to Port. Harry, did you? Yeah. Well, it's, it's not necessarily a bad thing. I think when you look at a player like a Brie Davey, right. Um, obviously you feel for someone like that or a Brit Benici who are going to miss this season, yeah. but um, in terms of maybe their longevity, it can be a good thing because they can just sort of, really get their preparation done and um, take as long as they actually need to with their rehab um, and come back for next season rather than say like a Bray who did her knee in the early rounds of the last season, trying to rush to get back within 12 months. And, you know, like they, the medical teams at clubs do a fantastic job with that. Um, but I imagine if you can try and really, um, as, as devastating as it would be to not be able to feature this season, it really does give those sorts of players a chance to really wind up for 2023 um you, you know you never want to see those players and miss footy but they can really attack next year and Rani you mentioned obviously those that sort of had a premature end to 2022 a um, Marissa I'm gonna need your thoughts here what is what is 2022 season like is it 
be? Like, is it 2022-2? Like, it, it what is it? The AFL <laughs> is going with 2022-A and 2022-B. I've so already boring. tweeted this. I think that it should be 2022 and 2022 Fast Too Furious just because Perfect. I think it would be Perfect. hilarious. And also, but, like, literally, could you describe this season any better than Too Fast Too Furious? Preseason literally starts in three weeks. It's too fast. It's too furious. I've made my case. I, I'm, I'm not. I, co- I just think it would be fun. Just better than part B. That's the. Oh, I'm not. I'm not copying this season six, season seven stuff as well. Like I'm not going to remember. Like too much faith in me to remember like numbers of like season five, season seven. You know who does that? The BBL. You know which seasons I do not remember. Who won each of the BBLs? I reckon I'm if like- they were in years, maybe I would. It doesn't have the same ring to it being like, this is the 2022 A premieres. This is the 2022 B premieres. My local footy. There's some real connotations there about the B premieres being the lesser thing as well. So I'm just saying, you know, Nicole, Gil, too fast, too furious. Make it happen. Um, And also, as I was noting that, you know, some of these ACL injuries, that means that they won't be there for next season. I, I should also be a bit you know they will definitely be there in a huge capacity we already know that Bree Davey has such a strong leadership role and I, I think that for a lot of these clubs that are going to have such different playing lists to have some of your senior players unfortunately not be able to play because of injuries but still so active within the the clubs and in leadership roles that could actually help a lot of these younger players a lot so yeah we won't have them on field but they will definitely we will have them you know in general but also inactive players um, who are cross-code. So you've got Ash Brazil will be in the Commonwealth Games, probably. You know. um, and we still have um, Renee Gehring. She's currently pregnant. GWS Jess Allen, she'll miss because of Army commitment. So there's lots of players who now we can officially know whether they can or cannot be in the next season. And then you've got international Irish players who can make the choice whether when it comes to also playing in their home Gaelic league. So just a lot more clarity on who can do what, really. And then pre-season starts. So a, um, a lot of playing groups have already been established playing group so I've seen a lot of the Brizzy Lions girls you know already training together but in an official capacity training can get underway um and I think that that is incredibly important for team connection I don't think there's anything that builds team connection more than training being put through the ringer together um and then yeah expect a lot of commotion a lot's going to happen in the next couple weeks so put the kettle on a lot because there's lots of tea that will be drunk I think the other thing you mentioned there, Marnie, with things like cross-coders is, for me, the ultimate mark of professionalism is that cross-coders don't exist. Um, Yeah, uh, yeah. Because uh, if you have a fully professional commitment to your sport, you're able to play that sport fully um, with full-time training. um, And we talked about with the extension of the season, we've seen it with, I mean, the most famous example is, of course, Elise Perry um, stopping playing soccer and just focusing on cricket. We've seen it. Uh, we saw it with Jenna McCormick, who used to play for Adelaide, obviously, in the AFLW, now plays soccer. Um, and we know that uh, players like Chloe Dalton and Ash Brazel have previously sat out 
um, footy seasons to focus on their respective other sports. Um, and I think as the AFLW continues to grow, um, obviously it's, it's fantastic when you're playing at a junior level or you're a teenager and you're coming up through the ranks, the more sports you play, the better. Um, everyone, like I think it's been pretty well proven. I can't cite any studies right now that multi-sport, like playing multiple sports is really good for your development. But once you get to the professional level, it's, it's we are going to see, I think, less and less sort of cross codes. You'll see players make switches from sports, but you're not going to see the, the juggle. And that's a positive thing. The other thing is um, just the timing of the season. It's um, August start date. Um, this is the thing that got pumped up yesterday is it means you've got finals in November. So the, the season will start in the pre-finals bye week of the men's, um, which is a good way to start round one. And then you just have sort of those first few rounds. And then um, it means come finals, it shouldn't be getting overshadowed by anything, which I think has been the really difficult thing of recent seasons is you get into finals and it's kind of, I don't want to say an afterthought because it certainly isn't for us, but I think for a lot of people, they're getting sucked into the excitement of the new men's season and it sort of just gets lost or it's, you know, trying to find relevance amid this sort of patchwork of games. There's nine men's games, the collection of women's games. So it'll be really exciting to see the pointy end of the season get the the recognition it deserves. Um, like we'll see the the round one happen in that pre-finals by a week. So hopefully it should get a lot of attention and then come the real like business end of the women's season, it gets it gets to be centre stage effectively. Um, and hopefully we'll see that continue as we hope the season starts to extend. It is in in that window. Um, yeah, it's it's exciting. I think it's it's the right move. It's um, having the season end where it gets clean air. I think is going to be really important. So it's just good to you know. It was all very rushed here. I think the end result is going to be good. Um, and it was interesting. I asked Gil McLaughlin whether they could have handled it better, like in terms of the timing. And he seemed to think that um, the you know the extra days or time it took to get this done was maybe worth the sort of uncertainty that we saw. Um, so hopefully that proves to be the case. I just want to quickly to wrap this up because obviously we haven't spoken since the AFLW grand final and in that time a lot has happened, namely those officially unofficial signings of players moving to clubs. And obviously the huge one, it was something we flagged right at the start of our very first episode, was the potential for Erin Phillips to go to Port Adelaide. That has come to fruition. So Wanted some quick thoughts on Erin Taport and any of the other signings and player movements that we've seen so far in this period. I don't think anyone was against the Erin Taport, even people at Adelaide. I think you have to support that. But I'm interested that you threw that to us because I know that you have such strong feelings about the Erin Port Adelaide storyline. Didn't you write a whole Twitter thread about it? I may have written the whole Twitter thread about it. I have been known to write whole Twitter threads about this thing. My whole thought process was very much that it was just great for the narrative, as you said, but I just really liked that in a weird kind of way, Erin got to have her own career, but also gets to do the father-daughter thing at the same time. And they've been separated where a lot of players, you know, kind of live in dad's shadow sort of thing when they get drafted through father-son rules or their entire storyline is very much he is blah blah's son or she is blah blah you know so because Erin was forced to play well not forced but you know what I mean she had no other option to play in South Australia besides the Crows and she went and absolutely blew us all away had a phenomenal career is going to go down as one of the greats of the game 
all within the context of just Erin Phillips, but now she also gets to do that really cool familial thing. I just loved that she got to have her cake and eat it too, and I think it's going to be just so good for the narrative, so good for Port fans, so good for her family. Obviously, her dad, her kids will have grown up knowing that, you know, that's granddad's team, blah, 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 and now I play there too. So it's just I loved every bit of it, but thank you for throwing me. (laughs) right into the into the chat I was like I know you have strong feelings about this I do I do have strong feelings but don't handball this one off (laughs) but no for real were there other I was gonna say money this is now your time to talk about some of those Essendon signs hang on is is Marnie an Essendon fan? I don't know if she talks about it does she did she make it pretty quiet about this (laughs) I don't think much noise about it I don't Uh, think she's ever discussed it to be honest so Marnie this is your time tell us once and for all who do you actually go for I'm so worried that my Nuffcraft is just going to be like, you know, too far. I mean, if we get to the grand final this season, I will 100% be getting a tattoo. Like, it's not even a question. Like, I'm like, you know, a few times. Hang on, just to the grand final. Like, you don't even have to win it. Come on. No, if in our inaugural year we get to the grand final, like, no, that's it. Uh, it. I mean, to be fair, if, well, it's also because... If we win a finals before the men do, um, that's actually the storyline I'm here for. I'm going to say that quite quietly, but I feel like that's um, a possibility um, and I'm I'm here for that. But, yeah, um, I'm sure most listeners will be surprised, but I, I am a Don supporter. So. Who are you excited to see, Marnie? To get to the point, who do you <laughs> want to see play for Essendon? They've, done, they've had a signing spree. They really have. I'm actually very here for Essendon to also be the villains of the comp because we keep just pinching all of the favourites from rival clubs. I don't think we could have started that any better than pinching Carlton's Maddie Frostfarkas and Georgia G. But the main storyline that I do love within this, obviously I'm excited to get, you know, top tier players, but it's also just that all of these women get to come home to the teams that they've supported their whole lives or they've played for in the VFLW. I think, you know, Perko, Sarah Perkins coming home to Hawthorne is another really good storyline. I think that there's still an idea that men's, um, that footy is a men's thing. And, you know, I get asked a lot because I go for Essendon, oh, you must have got that from your dad. And there's this assumption that it's still like fandom is still even a men's space. But to see it be such a strong pull that all of these players are willing to come home and speak about how surreal it is that they get to actually, you know, Bonnie Too Good spoke about how surreal it is that she gets to actually play at the highest level in the sash because she never thought she would have that opportunity as a kid. Although she did say that she just had so much confidence that she assumed she'd be playing for the men's, which I am obsessed with. But I do love that idea that, you know, fandom means is just as strong for women and for non-binary people. And so they get, you know, it, it means just as much. And to see that, come out and play out is really warming my heart a lot and also just because a lot of these players happen to grow up as Essendon supporters I won't complain about that I'm very excited for the likes of you know Bonnie obviously and Presparkus and G but also like Steph Kane Sophie Alexander like these are really well looking tasty is all I'm saying. Anyone that you want to add on quickly Harrow? Nah I can't really to be honest I, I struggle to go past the um the Aaron Phillips one for my highlight. Um but no, I've I've also just really in enjoyed seeing a few players get moves home, um, get get moves into state. We've we've seen Sydney sign Hawthorne have just gone on an absolute 
signing spree. Um, it's quite cool to see Sarah Perkins link up with Bet mm. Goddard again. Mm. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, and they've signed a bunch of Victorians. Like Lou Stevenson's another one who who gets to come home. So there's, yeah, I, I just reckon it's been great seeing these players just get excited for their moves. And, yeah, it will, you know, I, I feel for clubs and fans that it's, it's difficult, this sort of expansion period, because yeah. you're going to see club favourites move on or players move on, but excited for the ones that get to experience new players signing. And also that this is the last time this is going to happen. Mm. Like this is going to be AFLW now. We're not going to see more players getting pinched in these expansion raids. Like mm. we'll get hopefully a glimpse of what normality will be um, from here on in. And now players get to really make their identities at a club and hopefully it's, you know, a semi-permanent thing. And it's also so nice to see a lot of AFLW players get another chance at AFLW level. That's something that I'm very excited about. I think we're just excited overall. We will obviously talk more about things and stuff as we get closer to August 25th, but until then, we'll see you later. Listen to all the latest episodes by subscribing to the ESPN Footy Pod wherever you get your podcasts.